Woolham, and I'm part of the team here at Favorite Church. And today, I want to preach an uplifting, encouraging sermon. And I want to preach about a topic that is so life-giving. But first, I want to start out with a joke. And, and this joke is not mine. This, this joke is not mine. Did you like the transit? This joke is not mine, but this joke actually belongs to our beloved Joel Callao. And I've heard this joke so many times. So many times. And it's, it's just the perfect joke to open up my message. And the joke goes a little something like this. One day, there was an Australian person that came into Manila. Shh, everyone listen up, listen up. Came into Manila. And the Australian person didn't quite know the rules of the road. And as he was walking across the street, a taxi driver halts right in front of him. And the taxi driver gets out. He's angry. He's livid. And he asks the Australian, did you come here to die? And he repeats it again because the Australian is confused and he looks at him with this perplexed look. Did you come here to die? The Australian, after looking at the taxi driver that's angry and just fuming, and he says, no, I came here yesterday. Not mine, not mine, not mine. Yes, you can applaud. I do not plagiarize my sermons. But today, the title of my message is simply, It's Time to Die. <laughs> Let's get ready to be uplifted, guys. It's time to die. Not yesterday, die, but it's time to die. You know, and all throughout Scripture, we see the principle of death, right? We see this concept of death, from death to life. And we see it in the Old Testament, where God takes the Israelites out of the promised land, and instead of placing them all in a jumbo 747 business class with drinks and food and entertainment service, He sends them out to the wilderness, and for 40 years, they roamed the wilderness, and every single person that began the journey dies. And in the New Testament, when Jesus is beginning his ministry, and he's about to start, he didn't go to Jollibee and get chicken joy and spaghetti and have this despedida. Jollibee, can you please sing for me so that I can do my ministry for the next three and a half years? There wasn't a celebration. But instead, he goes into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights, there's no food, no water. It's basically death. And you see, the only reason you are here in this room is because a man who claimed to be God himself, who they thought was a lunatic, and some thought he was the Messiah, the only reason why you are here today is because he died. But he didn't remain dead. But on the third day, he rose again. And he did the completely impossible. He came back to life, appeared to his disciples, commissioned them to go and make more disciples, flew to heaven, 
And that's the only reason why we're sitting here with 2.6 billion other people. Without the resurrection, there is no church. But without death, there is no resurrection. And Jesus says that if you're my disciples, you'll experience the fullness of joy. You'll experience life eternal. You'll, ex you'll experience power supernatural. But there is no resurrection without a death. And so today, it is time to die. Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, it's time to die. Yes, I told you this was going to be life-giving. Yes, yes, in the spiritual sense. Okay, let's, let's, let's make this clear, all right? If you have your Bibles with, me, with, me, with you, turn with me to John 12, 23. And it says that Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Come on, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Dear Jesus, we come to you. And I pray, God, that you would deposit seeds of truth in every single person here today. Good soil so that in good time, it would sprout and bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, the hour has come. And Jesus is almost at the point where he is about to carry the cross and be crucified and fulfill what all the prophets talked about for thousands and thousands of years. And he says, the hour has come. And I believe that the hour has come for you. I believe that the hour has come for me. I believe that the hour has come for this church. And as we step into the supernatural, as Korea is being launched, as people are graduating, as businesses are repositioning, as God is moving, I believe that the hour has come. It's not later. It's not before. You haven't passed it, but the hour is now. And the hour has come for you to bear fruit. The hour has come for the church to bear fruit. It's time for you to bear fruit in your own lives. And fruit doesn't just fall from the sky, does it? It always, always, always starts as a seed. And as Jesus was saying this, he said that towards the end of his life, he uses the metaphor of a seed to describe his own death. And he's saying, I am the seed. And this is something that you need to understand. He says, I am the seed. Unless I die, I just remain one seed. But when I die, what happens is there will be many seeds. And so this morning, I want to tell you that you are the seed. Do you get that? You are the seed. That Jesus died so that others would believe in him and that the church would be established and you are the seed. 
But a seed sitting on the table has 0%, 0% of ever bearing fruit. And what does a seed, what does a seed have to do? A seed needs to be buried. It needs to die. It needs to break open in order for fruit to appear. Come on, if you want to bear fruit in your life, raise your hands. Come on, give me an amen. Come on, all of us. And so this morning, let me share a few things with you, and let's see what happens. The first thing is having potential does not equal fruitfulness. Having potential does not equal fruitfulness. And I love school. I love the classroom. But do you know what my favorite subjects were in school? My first favorite subject was lunch. Come on, can I get an amen to all those who love Woo-hoo! Right? I love it. You know what my favorite second subject was? P.E. I love me some P.E. That's right. But, but, but there's, there's this one class that I particularly remember, and it's science class. I don't know why, because I never took a liking to science, but, but science class, for some reason, it stuck with me. And on the first day of science class, it seems like they tell you the same thing every single time. They always talk about energy, right? They always talk about this thing called the law of thermodynamics. You guys understand? You guys remember that, right? That energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just turns to a different form. And then they show a picture that I believe is shown in every classroom in the world. And it's this picture of a boulder. You guys remember that picture? And the, and the boulder is on top of a hill. And the boulder on top of the hill represents what? Class? Oh, my goodness. We all did not pay attention in the first day of class. Too busy looking. Oh, I'm, I think she likes me. Oh, he's so cute. Pay attention. That boulder on top of the hill represents what? Potential energy. Class, say it with me. Potential energy. And what happens if someone goes and kicks that boulder, what happens to the potential energy? It becomes kinetic energy. Come on, guys. Let me flex a little bit because this is the only thing I can flex. It becomes kinetic energy. But, <laughs> but the boulder on top of the hill is simply potential energy. It's not going anywhere. It's not rolling anywhere. But the boulder sitting on top of the hill has all the potential, has all the possibility. It's simply just waiting there. I'm waiting to be kicked, and then I'll have energy. But until something happens, it's not real energy, but it is potential energy. And I love the idea of potential. Don't you love the idea of potential? You look at that person and say, oh, they've got so much potential. That's all they've got, but just potential. Just kidding, guys. 
You look at that player drafted by an NBA team. Oh, it's got a potential to be a superstar. The Philippine women's football team. Laban! Let's go! They have so much potential. And I love the idea of potential. There's so much promise and there's so much hope. And do you know who else has potential? Babies. Babies have so much potential. And every time I see a baby, I just want to squeeze his cheeks. But in the baby, I see all my hopes and my dreams and all the possibilities. I couldn't be an astronaut. You're going to be an astronaut. I couldn't be a neurosurgeon. You're going to be a neurosurgeon. And all my hopes and my dreams are all injected into this tiny human being because this baby has so much potential. Look at the baby and you say, oh, oh, little baby, one day you're going to be a billionaire tycoon. <laughs> one day you're going to make it to the Forbes 500 CEO list and you're going to be at the top of the charts. One day you're going to be an astronaut and you're going to revolutionize space travel. I see it in you. And I think what's funny is, is that when we look at babies, we never dream small dreams. And it's funny because as humans, we never dream dreams that are smaller than who we are. We always dream dreams that are bigger, that are larger. And no one ever says, I dream simply to be ordinary. No one ever says, well, I, I dream that I was less good looking. I wish I was not as tall. I wish I was shorter. I wish I just lived a mediocre life. And God has placed dreams in you that are bigger than who you are because he needs you to fulfill that dream. And in the same way, when we look at babies, we see all the potential, all the possibilities, and all the years that lie ahead. And in the same way, a seed has all the potential. And inside that seed contains the DNA of the largest mango tree. Inside that seed contains all that's required to grow an oak tree that'll remain for hundreds and hundreds of years, season after season after season, and you are that seed. You are that seed. You are that seed that Jesus died for. And you see, this is what he says about your potential. And he says, you will not only do things that I did. So you won't only raise the dead. You won't only cast out demons. You won't only conduct miracles. But Jesus said, you will do things that are even greater. You will do things that are even more powerful, that are even more marvelous. And you know what else he said? He said that you are my ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador has? An ambassador has all the authority of the person sending him, sending her. And so when the ambassador speaks, it has the authority of 
the president. And so not only do you have the power, but you also have the authority and you have the potential. And for some of you, you can feel it. Ooh, I can feel it, right? You can feel that your life is meant for more than just what you have right now. Go on. Some of you, you're brimming with potential. Some of you, you're bubbling with potential, and you can feel that there's a promise that God has. There's a potential that you have. There's a life that God wants you to live, and you may not be there yet, but you can almost feel it. You can almost dream it. You can almost see it. But no matter how big your dreams are, how skilled you are, how good-looking or charismatic you are, can I tell you this? Potential does not equal fruitfulness. Potential does not equal fruitfulness. And wouldn't it be cool if we were just all judged on potential? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Right? You almost tried. Gold medal for you. Right? What matters is that you wanted to try. A star for you. Like, wouldn't it be cool if they, you did absolutely nothing with your talents and skills, you serve nobody, but the only thing that matters is that you had the intention. What matters is that you wanted to do it. What matters is, is that you wanted to try to do it. And here's the reality of God's kingdom, is that we're judged based on our fruit. You're not judged based on potential, but you're judged based on your fruit. It says in the book of John that you will bear much fruit if you abide in me. And those that do not are thrown into the fire. And it says in the parable of the, of the servants, it says wicked and lazy servant, not because he didn't do anything, but because he didn't try. He had all the potential in the world, but he didn't do anything with what he was given. And so the choice is yours. The choice is yours to do whatever you want with that seed, and that's my second point. The choice is yours to die. And it says this, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. I love that word, unless. Unless. Unless you wake up, you can't come to church. Unless you start exercising, you'll never get in shape. Ooh. Unless you start cooking, you don't eat. Come on, young people, I'm, I'm talking to you. Unless you start cooking and doing the groceries, you don't eat. And Jesus said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will never become anything but a seed. And let me tell you one thing. I believe with all my heart that the saddest thing in all the world is a wasted life. Come on, can I, can, I, can I get an agreement with that? The saddest thing in all the world is a wasted life. And so I just told you that you have all the potential that God has given you his Holy Spirit and you are containers of the Holy Spirit. And so you have all the potential to do something magnificent with your life. Do not waste it. Do not waste it. And so the choice is yours. It says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will never become anything but a seed. And so you can either hold on to your life 
and remain just the potential, or you can choose to enter the grave and put to death those things in your life that is not from Christ. It says here in Romans 6, 5, for if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Philippians 3, 10, 14, I want to know Christ, yes, to become the power, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And the Apostle Paul in both passages is saying, if I want to join Christ in his resurrection, I need to join Christ in his suffering and in his death. I told you today was going to be an uplifting message. I told you today was going to be amazing. But this is where we become united with Christ. Is that if you see and if you want the resurrection, you also participate in his death. And the Apostle Paul continues, not that I have already obtained all this, meaning the resurrection, I'm not there yet, or have already arrived at my goal. I don't live a perfect life, he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. And so what has Christ taken a hold for you? Victory. What has Christ taken a hold for you? A triumphant life. What has Christ taken a hold for you? Freedom. And so he's already secured it for you. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that even if he secured it for you, we still don't have it in fullness. And so listen to what he says next. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Listen to this. Forgetting. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. In other words, I die. In other words, I put to death everything that holds me back so that I can run. Everything that encumbers me so that I can pursue God. Everything that holds me back, all the lies that hold me back, I put them to death so that I can run towards the prize. And today, God has called you to run. And maybe you've been wanting to just walk. And maybe you've just been wanting to just chill, take it easy. I'm just going to cruise into my Christian life. No, no. God has called you to run. You know, I talked about a couple weeks ago about how my flesh just screams because I want to live a small life. Right, you guys remember that? I just want to live a small life. And you know what God has been working in me? Is this idea of reluctance. Any, any reluctant people in the house? Right? They're reluctant to put their hand up because they're reluctant, right? I am the master of reluctance. I don't, I don't know why. I just wish I was more sure of myself. I just, I just wish that I was more certain when I stepped. But I am so reluctant, right? Can somebody empathize with me? Yeah, right? Come on. And so there I was last Sunday with all my reluctance, and I was in the back. And 
there was an amazing message being preached by Pastor Sam. And the ministry time was amazing. How many of you guys were here for that, right? That was just so powerful. Right? And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. I was at the back. They were making me do favorhood for some reason, right? And so I was getting ready to, to do my interview. And I realized we don't interview the speakers anymore, so I have to say something. And, and so I was in the back. And you know how God speaks to you sometimes to do something? But then immediately you say, no, I don't feel like doing it. Has that ever happened to you? Right? Like, like God wants you to do something, and, and you're like, the immediate reaction is no. And you start giving excuses. And so there I was in the back, and, and I saw a few people, and I sensed that God wanted me to pray for them. Right? And immediately, all these excuses started coming up. Right? You ever get that? I'll pray for that person, but what if the prayer is bad? Pray for that person. Well, what if it's not the right prayer for them? Pray for that person. What if they slap my hand out of the way, call me a heretic, and run away, and I have all these movies just going on in my head, and I was so reluctant to do anything, and so there I was, for a full five, 10 minutes. You know, when God speaks to you and he continues to speak to you, you start feeling more and more guilty, right? Should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? God, was this really you speaking to me? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was just the breakfast that I had today. And, and, and maybe there, there's something happening in my brain because the, the bread was spoiled, right? Maybe it wasn't you. And in that moment, there was something that was pulling me back. Reluctance, lies, pulling me back. And what I had to do was I had to take a step because as I took a step, then I began the process of killing it. I began the process of putting to death all the lies. And so I was, I was back there. I started praying for the person. And then I prayed for the next person that God showed me to pray for. And then I prayed for the third person. As I, I was, as I was praying for the third person, tears were rolling down his eyes. And after that, he came up to me and said, oh, that's just the prayer that I needed. And I thought about what happened. Do you know that God wants to speak to other people through you? Do you know that God wants to give words of love and encouragement to other people through you? And so the thought is, what right do I have to stop the flow of God to someone else's life? What right do I have to say, Holy Spirit, I don't want you to speak to that person through me. What right do I have? And so I realized that as I prayed for these people, the Holy Spirit was able to speak through them because of my obedience. And you see, in order for you to obey, you need to put to death the things that hold you back. And for some of you, the hour has come to die. Die to pettiness. For some of you, you need to die to the spirit of offense. 
you need to die to the lies that you're not good enough. He's never going to come through for me. You need to die to thinking the grass is always greener on the other side. You need to die to that affair that you've been having. I don't know who I'm speaking to. You need to die to the lust. You need to die to the anger. You need to die to the corruption. And for some of you, you're like, but I can't. I can't die. I, I've lived with it for so long. My family was like that. My mom was like that. My dad was like that. This is just who I am. I'm just naturally anxious. This is who I am. I just get offended. This is who I am. I'm just petty. But can I tell you, that all that's holding you back, it's a crutch. And you're walking around with a limp. And I'm not saying that anybody here is perfect, but sometimes everybody else can see the limp except for you. And you're walking around, but you weren't designed to walk with a limp. You weren't designed to walk around this life, but you were meant to run. You were designed to run. And God tells the prophet Jeremiah, if you cannot run with mortal men, how can you run with horses? And so it's time for you to put that to death, to put your laziness to death, to put your offense to death, to put the lies to death, because God needs you to run. God needs us to run. This nation needs us to run. Amen. And I think for some of us, we just want things to just die a natural death. We want things to just, oh, just die by itself. But this morning, I want to tell you that you must crucify them. That instead of just saying, well, you know what? I'm just going to allow it to just die naturally. Oh, I'll just grow out of it. God is saying to you this morning, Crucify it. Crucify it. Crucify the lies. Crucify the laziness. Crucify the spirit of offense. Crucify the religious spirit. Crucify the apathy. And as you crucify it, watch God perform a resurrection in your life. As you crucify the anxiety, watch God perform a resurrection and give you peace. As you crucify the anger, watch God perform a resurrection and give you power. And as you crucify the pettiness, and I don't know why I keep on saying pettiness, but can I tell you that pettiness can destroy a church? Two people being petty becomes three people being petty. Becomes five people becomes 10. And I've seen churches taken down because two people decided to be petty. Wow. And can I just tell you that God has created you for bigger things. That God has created you to bring heaven to earth wherever you are, so don't stay petty. Come on, can we just all commit to that? Don't stay petty. Crucify it. Die to it. And God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. But in order for you to step into the new thing, he says, you must crucify everything that holds you back. And it says in the scriptures, 
to take off all the sin that so easily entangles. And do you know what you do? You run. But you know that you don't run alone. You know that you don't run by yourself. You run with everybody here. You run together. But do you know that you don't run in an empty stadium, but you run with a cloud of witnesses watching you, cheering you on. Abraham, David, the patriarchs, the apostle Paul, Jesus saying, you can do it. Keep running. Take off the sin that so easily entangles. You can run it. You can do it. We're cheering you on. So die to it. Crucify it and watch God perform a resurrection. And the third thing is this, is that death leads to fruit. Death leads to fruit. You see, death is not the goal, but fruit is the goal. And as you enter the grave and you bury the seed, you're going to trust that it doesn't remain a seed. That God, who's been so faithful to you, he's not going to let you down. And so this seed in due time will burst forth and the seed will start to grow. And in time, it'll become a tree. And in the right season, it will bear fruit. And I know for some of you, it is hard to kill things. It is hard to crucify the lies. It is hard to kill the things that hold you back. I've been living with it for so long. But can I tell you the promise is this. Psalm 126 verse 5, it says, Those who sow, meaning those who put the seed to the ground, that's what sowing means, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Come on, this is a promise for you. Don't let this pass you by. I know it's hard to crucify things. I know it's hard to kill the things that you're used to, but the promise is that if you sow with sorrow and tears, God promises you that there will be a reaping that will be joyful, a reaping that will be full of celebration. So I will trust my God who has never failed me. I know that in due time, there will be a season of reaping and I will wait upon the Lord until that happens. I will wait upon the Lord until that happens. I will wait upon the Lord until that happens. And for some of you, you have killed something and you're waiting. You've decided to kill it months ago and you're waiting. Nothing's happening. It's dark. The soil is damp. It's dark. Nothing is happening. Can I tell you this? That just as the same way that the Word of God does not come back void, obedience to the Holy Spirit will not come back void. Can I get an amen? Come on, when you obey Jesus and when you obey the leading of the Holy Spirit, it might be hard in the moment. Things may not be happening in the moment. Things might look like, ah, I don't know what to do. But in due time, there will be a fruit that is born. There will be results because God will not be mocked. God is always true to his word. And so I will trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit. And while I'm in the grave, 
while the seed is in the soil, I will cling to God. And this is what I'll proclaim. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your sting? Sin, where is your power? It might look like things around me are dead, but I'm obeying my God. People might be making fun of me, but I'm obeying my God. People might be mocking me, but I'm obeying my God. So this death is not just death alone, but eventually I believe that there will be a resurrection. I will be that there will be life in full. Why? Because my God has promised that to me. So I will not stay buried because the God who calls me he calls me to put my fears, my offense, my lust to death. And he's faithful to resurrect me. But you see, God doesn't just want a tree. He wants a garden. He doesn't want just one of you to grow and be fruitful. He wants all of us to grow and be fruitful. You see, sometimes... I work out in my front yard. COVID, right? No more gyms. And lately I've been working out with my daughter. And you know what we do? We, we, because I need motivation, we put on a YouTube video. So instead of paying a trainer, I have a trainer, which is a YouTube video. And just the other week we were doing this workout and we're, we're using these dumbbells. And, and I don't know about you, but if I'm supposed to do 10 reps, I like to stop at eight. I mean, can I get an amen? Oh, yes, it's my people right now. I like to stop at eight. Almost is good enough, right? And it gets hard. And so there I was, we were, we were almost 20 minutes into our workout and we're doing these really challenging movements and my, my daughter was there and I love working out with my daughter because there's something that we get to do together but I realize that every single moment my daughter watches me. Every single moment my daughter is observing me and there was this one really challenging exercise and I didn't want to do it. I was supposed to do 20 reps and there I was, I got to 16. And then there was this thought, it's a good time to quit. It's a good time to stop. I can just lie to my daughter because we were just doing it on our own. I can just lie to her and said, I did 20. And I don't know if it was my conscience or if it was the Holy Spirit. And the voice came and it said, don't quit. Don't quit, she's watching you. Don't quit, she's gonna learn from you. Don't quit because you're depositing seeds, not by your words, but with your action. Don't quit because one day she's gonna learn. One day she's gonna take you as a model and she's gonna learn to not quit or to quit. And so I pumped out the last four and with integrity I said Ella I did 20. so we kept on going but do you know that people watch you do you know that people wonder whether or not God is real 
And they don't read the Bible or come to church, but they look at you. They look at your life. Do you have the peace that you so boldly proclaim? Do you have the power that you're always talking about? Is the talk real? Or are you just talking the talk and not walking the walk? And so people are watching you. So let me tell you something. When you die, you're not just dying to yourself, but you're dying so that this seed doesn't just remain one or two or three trees, but this seed becomes a garden. And guess what happens in a garden? People come in and they say, look at the beauty of God in this place. Your family begins to see you die to that addiction. They say, oh, I see the power of God in my father's life. They see you moms, the dying to your worry, dying to your anxiety, trusting in the Lord. You know what they see? They see God is alive in my mom. And that's stronger than any chapter of the verse, any, any verse in the Bible. When they see you modeling it, that is the Bible lived out. And so if you're ready to die, if you're ready to die so that you can be resurrected, I'm calling you out. I'm calling me out because God has been speaking to me so much. And soon as we go to Korea, he's saying, there's so many things that you have to die to. But son, this promise that I'll make is that when you die, I promise that what I give back to you will be more over and above than what you've lost. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you guys. But in the scripture, Jesus says that I am the seed. And it says that you are the seeds, but you become the seed when you accept Jesus. You receive the power of the Holy Spirit in a relationship with Jesus when you say, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I give you my life. And so I don't know how you came in today. And maybe you just walked in because someone invited you and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you did this a long time ago and, and you walked away and, and you know that you do not have an active relationship with Jesus. And today, I want to give you that opportunity to say, God, I give you my life. God, I accept you as my Savior. And so many people have done this all over the world and in this room. And it's changed our lives forever. And so if you are sick and tired of the way that you've been living your life and you say, God, I want more. There's more to this life. And today is your day. And if I can ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. And if that's you and you're saying, I've never made that decision before. Or maybe you've made it a long time ago, but you've actively walked away from Jesus. Life happens. I'm not asking if you've had a bad week or if you've just fumbled this month, but I'm asking you if you, if you don't have an active relationship with Jesus. Well, today I'm inviting you to step into this beautiful and wonderful life that he promises. And so today, if you want to say yes to Jesus, 
I wanna pray for you, but before that, I wanna know who I'm praying for. So on the count of three, with no one looking around, I'm gonna ask you to, th- to raise your hands so that I can pray for you. One, two, three, raise your hands. Right there, I see you. I see you. I see you. anybody else? I see you on the side there. On the, I see you in the back. I see you there on the side. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you in the back over there. Thank you, Jesus. I see you over there. Come on, you can go ahead and put your hands down. We're all gonna pray this prayer, and if you've made that decision, put your hand over your heart and just repeat after me, and everybody's gonna say this prayer together with you as a family. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I'm sick and tired of the way I've been living my life. It's been so empty, but I want fullness from you. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I take your resurrected power. Please give that to me. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. 